What happens when we decide to think outside the box? Decide to unlearn things that might not seem useful any longer? To ask more questions and redefine our thoughts? Napkin Notes was started to explore ideas developed and undeveloped. To go on a journey and find what connects us all. What holds us back from getting started and what keeps us from getting finished. Chris Ruggiero has spent the majority of his life entertaining audiences. What started at a young age, performing with his band for his community, developed into appearances on television as a performer juggling across the nation. He's inspired so many with his podcast, his book Just Go, and created a platform for musicians to share their creations called Between Dreams Sessions. He's a great friend, a powerful thinker, and inspirational creator. Here's our chat. So, the other day I was over at your house, and we were getting ready for your show. And you started putting together sandbags, which you refused for many months to have sandbags. Years. (laughs) Many years. (laughs) You don't like safety. You live on the edge. (laughs) Yeah. And we went to the dollar store and grabbed several bags of rocks to put in those sandbags so that sand wouldn't get all over your apartment, which already is pretty weird to begin with, I might add, but it's okay. Or the dollar store. Well, a little bit of both. That's a good life hack for film people, though, because if there's sandbags, they leak sand. How many sandbags have leaked sand in your life? I don't this know. became an issue. I think I saw someone talk about it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so you took all of these rocks and started putting them in sandbags. Rock bags, we're going to start calling them now. Yeah. Except you did not take the rocks out of the bag <laughs> and instead put them directly. Yeah, so so the, the context here, I think it's hard to picture this visual. They were in small, like, zip, small, like, sandwich bag-sized bags. Right. Like, uh, like, mesh bags. So, like, it would fit in the palm of your hand. And, yeah, I was like, I need these mesh bags of rocks into sandbags, which so, I guess most people listening to this will be from, like, film and uh, worlds that understand what sa- sandbags are, like these black two-sided bags like a saddle that you saddle onto the bottom of a stand so that it gives more weight at the bottom so it doesn't fall down traditionally filled with sand but for some reason i have the idea that when you fill the thing with sand and and zip the top close the zipper is not going to be a good sand holder and there's going to spill sand all over my house or on my gear or wherever so my idea was that i will put rocks in there because i saw that on the line somewhere And yeah, I put the mesh sized bags of rocks instead of dumping them into the the black sandbag. I just put the whole thing into the sandbag. And And for you, that made so much sense. It was completely normal. I was like, why, what world would it make sense for me to take, first of all, find like scissors to cut the bag (laughs) open and then dump those things into there Cause I was like, what if I want this mesh bag of rocks for something else later? Then what am I gonna do? 
So there are so many layers of thoughts that went into the sandbag approach. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there is something in that that comes from, I have a bit of a thing. I think it comes from when I was a little kid of like savoring things in a way. That's a weird maybe way of describing it when, when you're not talking about food, but like even like gadgets and tech and gear like I kind of like baby all of my it's weird because I baby all of my stuff but then I also don't like it's usually like there's a camera on the floor if you walk into my room (laughs) so but it's like safe there if I if there's not anyone else in there like it's safe for me like I'm not gonna kick it I'm not gonna step on it I'm not gonna knock it off but I think I have this thing where I'm like been always very like babying uh, and like really like caring for things because I feel like I want them to like if I like like a piece of gear or something I want to save it and it even with like opening boxes of stuff like I don't like tear apart boxes. You keep them in your kitchen for several months. (laughs) (laughs) Well yeah like cardboard boxes for sure but then even like if you buy like a new set of headphones or something it comes in this box that's like usually like a pretty elaborate box because it has like a it's like a display case if you know as it was at the store and i like i'm like i always feel that i don't know where this comes from but i always have that thing i'm like well i need to save this i'm like why like i'm not going to ever return them and if i did i won't need that original box (laughs) like if they break they'll be like under one you know whatever i don't know but i think it comes from that as well of like i was like oh well like that's part of like just saving that thing then i was like cool i could maybe what who what i could use these rocks for something else maybe later your fish tank my fish tank in which case you would have to take them out of the bags regardless maybe what if there was a fish tank with rocks at the bottom that (laughs) That were all in bags still (laughs) and there's the fake plastic plants that still have like the petco tag at the top (laughs) just soggy cardboard those poor fish (laughs) so you've spent the majority of your life entertaining audiences would you and i'm supposing that you would still consider yourself entertaining audiences now even as a videographer for a bit more of a corporate style yeah everything is entertainment really Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever really talked about this, but I talk to a lot of other entertainers and entertainment kind of feels like a silly thing to do mm-hmm. with your life, except it's all, you know, I was talking to Scott Neary about this recently about like what, you know, he's talking to enter- helping entertainers, like traditional entertainers do better entertainment and I was like, well, think about it. Like every single thing is entertainment, you know, like all our traditional stuff of the TV, Instagram, like everything we do all day is entertainment and even advertisements are entertainment. Hmm. So yeah, like everything I do is either in like real entertainment or like around the block and back to entertainment through like online content or marketing or whatever some part of that is entertainment even if it's educational then it's entertainment like that's how people learn by like doing something that they want to learn about which is fun which is entertainment so you've spent so much time being in that sphere of engaging 
audiences. And I know, at least from my sphere of people, many people look at jugglers and not even think that they actually exist in the world. Yeah. And that's just a side gig, but you made an entire world out of it. Juggling is a really fascinating one because I think people know that there's magicians because everyone like had a magician at their birthday party or something, or you've seen one at a restaurant or something. But like with juggling, it's like, oh yeah, like my uncle at a birthday party, like grabbed some bean bags and juggled. It was (laughs) usually not like a guy came that your parents paid for. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And we've talked about that before of like, imagine the worlds that you mm-hmm. can rabbit hole down into of like, if I could, I could start talking about juggling for, for the rest of my life of like stories that I've had. And I'm like, oh, well, I learned about like this corporate events and then there's college events and there's theme parks. And then you can do ambient juggling at like a party where you're there for three hours. And you just like, when people are walking in, you're juggling and they take a photo of you and they walk by. And then there's like you have your show or you could have like a four minute act or an eight minute act and you could be in a circus troupe. And then like there's like eight other people. Everyone comes out, does their act. And then there's a whole show like a Cirque du Soleil style show. And there's like all little like variations within that. And then I'm like getting into like analog tube compressors to record music on. And I'm like learning that they're like four thousand dollars. And it's like. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, that does this because I'm like really like listening in. But like if anyone would listen to it, they'd be like, yeah, there's a singer singing. But I'm like, well, no, it kind of does this and it brings this down like this. That might have been a stretch to tie this whole loop back together. (laughs) But I actually kind of like that of how you can become super particular, which is so important for entertainers and artists and creators in any way. I think one of the value, one of the Um, assets that I have is that I don't do things the way that other people do them for the most part because I like made it up and I didn't go to film school I didn't go to um, audio school doesn't sound right (laughs) doesn't sound right (laughs) what's audio school called I guess you just maybe there isn't one like Berkeley School of Music it's a music school I guess there is like um, audio engineering audio engineering schools. but like yeah. film school just sound the film kids were like we wanted this to sound cool uh <laughs> so i didn't go to film school and i don't have a degree in audio engineering i don't have um a degree in marketing i don't have a degree in business i don't have a degree in any of the things that i'm like being paid to do so I had to develop all my own particular ways of doing things. And I think that's the asset, the, the asset of like, yeah, I'm going to like put, fill the sandbags the way that I want them to be done. And all those minute details of doing that over and over, like, okay, what if I film like this and use this thing, use this type of lens. And, but then like, this is a little weird that I'm lighting it like this and I'm recording audio through like a, a, a field recorder that would traditionally be used on like short film on like films, but I'm recording music into it. And it's like all these little like things that don't make any sense. And if somebody would look at me, they would be like, why are you putting the rocks in the sandbags, first of all? And also that's insane that you're not taking them out of the bags before you put it in the bag. <laughs> but I'm like, well, no, this works. 
and like the finished product is going to be great and the light's not going to fall over. So I never like tried to like fit in the mold of doing things the way that other people were doing them because I was like, no, the finished product is going to be good. And also the finished product isn't going to look like anything that or sound like or feel like anything that anyone else has been has done because I like did it some weird bootleg way. What would you recommend to somebody who's looking to get started with doing something and they see so many different traditional aspects of how it usually is done? How would you advise them to get started in their own way to make something uniquely them? When I think back to the initial days of like why I was interested in cameras, I needed to film things for my juggling show. And I wanted to film like day in the light, like vlogs, except, you know, I was thinking about it and I'm still mad that I like didn't wasn't like smart enough to commit to doing it a lot because I was like thinking about vlogs like before vlog was a word. So I was like trying to find like I remember like reaching out to like high school buddies that had like some sort of crazy cameras back then, you know, years ago. And I was like, let's do like day in the life of me as an entertainer. (laughs) And it was like that exists, of course. But like no one was thinking of it as online content because like people weren't posting on YouTube every day. So the thing of like people wanting to do their own thing and there's all these like traditions and things around it. It was like I didn't know how to film a juggling show, but I like got one of those like flip camera things. That was basically like a crappy version of of a phone camera like before we were carrying iPhones around. And I remember just like, and it was really cool. You just like push a button and turn it on and you would just be like filming. And then you could just use that film, whatever. And then you would be able to have a cool video. And then when I started doing podcasts, I bought a Blue Yeti microphone because it was like people were like, this is a microphone you buy when you want a podcast. So then all of those things combined. And now it's like, okay, now I have like, I like this particular microphone that it does a thing for my voice. So it was like, I don't think I like purposefully ever went out and was like, I'm going to do things my way, not the way that other people do them. It was just like, I've got a hundred dollars and I need a camera. I have a hundred dollars to buy a podcasting mic. I'm going to buy a blue Yeti. That was like, it was like a hundred dollars at the time. I plugged it into USB into my thing. Then it was like, from there I learned. And I think what the, what the challenge is with most creative people is that they see like what we're doing now in between dream sessions is like this, like pretty cinematically beautifully shot and lit good sounding living room session, acoustic music, but it looks really good. I like saw that in my brain like six years ago and like every one of them, I'm like, Oh, this is like a, I think we finally got to the point where it's right. And it's obviously not. It's like every one I say that because it gets better. And then like I've shown you the one from like five or six years ago and it's in a staircase on a GoPro with like no microphone. And it was only a couple of years ago, but it was like I had to start there. Then I learned like there's no way that we know what our particulars are until we do them. And be like, oh, this is how I do it. And it's like you think you hear back to like even big movies when you hear like the behind the scenes of like the 70s movie directors. They were like, yeah, I don't know. We had a we built this thing and now that's like how they do it now because like some director was like, yeah, we were (laughs) like, we ran out of time that day and like somebody had to hold this thing over here. And now like in every movie, somebody holds this thing over here because they're like, that was actually the way to do it. The 
biggest reason why people don't start something is because they see Joe Rogan's podcast and they're like, oh, he's in a spaceship and he's got all these mics and he's got A-list celebrity friends. They're like, oh, I don't have that, so I can't do a podcast. And, and with everything, you know, I see it with with live theater things, you know, the jugglers and stuff are like, well, I don't have my own sound system and I don't have a backdrop and I don't have this. And I'm like, I started doing shows in backyards for like $60 and like the kids were like swimming in the pool and then they're like yeah cool I'll do a show and i was like that what do i do but all of those became like little tools that i built into my toolbox of okay cool when the audience is distracted maybe they don't maybe maybe your job isn't to do a juggling show maybe they want you to throw the juggling ball at them and then they'll throw it back to you like maybe you're playing catch for $60 today. <laughs> and it's really hard to do that because people are like, well, no, I like dedicated. This is what I do. I'm like a juggler and I'm going to do my thing. I'm like, no, well, yeah, it's cool. You could say that, except that's not what, like, are you going to do what you think is important or are you going to do what makes the audience happy? Those are probably the ground floors of what my whole like entire pack, entire like world view of like audience experience comes from because like nobody wants a juggling show. Some people might enjoy a juggling show, but nobody like goes out like, I really want to see a juggling show tonight. I think it's an interesting one of like a book length. So you were like thinking about your book and you were like, I want it to be 200 pages or something. I was like, that was just made up because someone else said like, well, if it's a long book, that means it's probably has important things in it. (laughs) (laughs) Or like when we were kids, they were probably like, yeah, like, your book report needs to be 14 pages or your whatever. Your essay needs to be that. I'm like, why? That always used to like so frustrate me. They're like, you have to make it 12 pages. And I was like, why? Then it's like, well, of course, everyone's like, why? Well, if you put a little like 1.2 inches on the side, <laughs> you can write one less sentence. Like you spend way more time trying to figure out like the spacing to make it like one more, like add one more line at the end when you just spent like another five minutes writing another line. Um, But that was always very frustrating. So I was like, who made this rule? The English teacher? And why? And why is she allowed to make that rule? So like now I never really thought about this or expressed it too much, but that's like a so fast. I just remember being like, no. And I think that's a fascinating thing right now. People are like, oh, this book needs to be 150 pages. I did that. I was like, oh, I want my book to be 150 pages. Now I'm like, I kind of want to write books that are like, you know, like nine pages. I think there's actually like some physics that it can't be for. (laughs) (laughs) They can't actually make it if it's not enough. Um, Or else, unless it's like stapled in the back. Um, And it's an actual pamphlet. I love that. I love people that are like, what if the book is 12 pages? What if it's, what if less things is way better? It's like a movie. Why is a movie three hours long, two hours or an hour and a half? People will think that time is, and that, that was relevant in the juggling thing. People were like, well, we want an hour. We're paying you $4,000 or something. I'm like, well, no, like an hour is not great <laughs> to watch you juggling after your company people ate dinner. Like, you know, a 25-minute show is way better. But a lot of people have this tradition set in their mind of people get paid by the hour. If you're making that many thousands of dollars 
like we at least want an hour from you. We don't want 12 minutes or 14 minutes or 25 minutes. And I think that's pretty fascinating of like, why? Because people are in this mindset because they're stuck in a tradition of people get paid by the hour and it's insane to pay somebody to do something for eight minutes. I did a show, one of my early days, one of the biggest shows I did in the early days, I flew to LA for it and they were like, we need you to do eight minutes on stage at our corporate event to get the crowd hyped. Mm -hmm. And they paid enough money for me to fly to LA, rent a car, do all this stuff, get paid. I stayed in LA for a week, flew back home to Pennsylvania. And that was a big opening thing for me because every other show I always did when I was performing at colleges were like, you need an hour. Like, that's what it is. And I was like, why? Why? That's just what, we have an hour slot for entertainers to come in. And this company was smart enough, they're like, no, like, that's really bad. Because, like, it was like a sales meeting or something. Like, we need you to come out and, like, hype the crowd up and, like, get them excited. And then the CEO's coming out and he needs that energy. Like, they're going to lose the energy. You're going to get, I know, we know you can do it in your opening bit. And then that's it. You know, and that was a really cool, that was a really cool thing. Super relevant in all of this of like, okay, so what's the tradition? Why, why, why do we do an hour show? What if it's four minutes? People are like, well, that's crazy. You're going to get paid that much money for four minutes. Yeah. Cause it's going to be better. Somebody calls you and says, Hey, I need a logo made for my company. You say, okay, cool. I charge $25,000 to make a logo. And then they say, mm, okay, seems like a lot. So how long is it going to take you? Like, I don't know. I'm going to just need to work on it for a little while. I'll come up with something this week, show it to you. Maybe that'll be done. But if not, I'm willing to work for the next six weeks on it to make sure it's right for you. Which one's better? That is done tomorrow. So like, uh, what's bet like this tradition of like, oh, like how what's your rate per hour is insane. Because it's kind of better if you just can do it in ten minutes and give it to me right now. But that person's gonna be like, well, that's kind of crazy. Just gave you twenty five thousand dollars and you just did a thing on a napkin. Like, yeah, but it was way better. Now you can go make money with your logo tomorrow. But for some reason, people feel like, well, they spent six weeks on it. They earned more money. Well, they just did it. They're way worse at it. It took them six weeks to get there. So that is like a great one of like, what's this tradition of spending time for no reason? Like more time isn't better. More pages in your book isn't better. A more expensive camera that you're shooting on a thing isn't better. Might be. It might not be. It might be that shooting a TikTok on your iPhone is actually way better than having a really expensive camera because it just makes sense and you can just post it right away and you don't need to wait for a video editor to load it up into the camera, into the computer and all that stuff. So circling back into all of this of like a crazy, that's like a, no, that's a crazy tangent, but it like hopefully makes as much sense in my brain of all of that of like, I think it's valid to look around at all of the, like take inventory of the things that we see every day and these assumptions that we make and like question them of like, why is a book 200 pages? Why is a movie three hours long? Why do cameras cost so much? Why do graphic designers cost so much? What do I get paid more if it takes me longer to do this project? And why? Like I should get paid way more if I could do it fast. But that's like a, 
uphill battle to most people that you you talk to, especially like clients or something. Um, so yeah, I think like seeing the surroundings and being like, I see that all the time. I'm like, why is that like that? And then I'm like, well, I could just do that differently. And I think a lot of people have that, but then like, I don't want to be like society shuts you down, but like, it's true. Like everything around us is like, no, no, that's how you do it. And then like, and if you do it weird or different, people are like, yeah, that's weird. And then you get punished for it. So I was just always kind of just like, screw everyone. If I want to do it this way, I'm just going to do it this way. And then like a lot of people are like, yeah, that's not right. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I was always like willing to like lose, not make money for periods of time <laughs> with like those work things or, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'm doing it my way and I think it's going to pay off. So like the rebel doesn't fit <laughs> in the mainstream. And that's by design. If you want to do that, you can. You're not going to get that like immediate payoff though. But the funny thing is when it does come around, it turns out that you're the only person that can do that thing the way that you want to do it. And then clients or whatever, or your audience is like, Oh, we didn't like the way the books were 200 pages either, but everyone was writing 200 page books. If somebody wrote a book right now that was like, Hey, it's $4. It's a four pages. And it's got, it was 200 pages. We edited it down and put the four pages that are the most important. I'd be like, that's worth, that's worth more to me. That I'll pay $20 for that book. Not because it costs more to make, but because it delivers more value to me as an audience. So I think about that all the time, obviously, after a rant that long. Like, just like every single, like, and it's like sometimes crazy for me to like, just like all day long, I'm thinking about it. I'm just like, why is this? I, I, this is insane. I think the normal, the quote, normal things are as insane as some of the things that I do, like of you thinking that me putting like that was so super normal. And there's like just everyday things that I think are insane, as insane as that appeared to you. I think that it's not a mindset. We all have it, but what we don't all have is the tendency or the likelihood to do the actions that reflect that mindset. So the hack is it doesn't matter what you feel like your mindset is or what you think your mindset is. Every single person that you talk to if they're in like an ounce of the creative world, they'll tell you like, oh, I would love to write a book someday. I always said I wanted to write a book. Oh, all my friends said I should write a book. All my friends say I should have a podcast and tell my crazy stories. All my friends say I should have a YouTube channel and share all the adventures that I go on. They said, all my friends tell me I should have a reality show. Like pretty much everyone has that mindset of like, yeah, I should do that. I could do that. So the growth mindset isn't the problem. Everyone, no matter what world people are living in, they've had those thoughts. What they haven't had is the tendency to take the action. So in the book, Just Go, which I um, made in 2015, is exactly that. There's the people that see other people that are like doing cool stuff. They didn't see the first one that was in the staircase. And they didn't see all of the first things of me buying like 15 different mics between then and now to get to the where get to where I want to be. 
So the 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 wrapped up concise version want to have that mindset of like trying new things and like breaking the mold and doing your own thing is literally in the title. You don't need to read the book if you're mad that I said it was 150 pages earlier. You can read the title. It says just go and that's it. It's the just go mindset. I got an idea and I want to do it and there's probably zero things stopping you from doing it today. If you want to start a podcast, you can record it into your phone. That's free. And you can post it for free. When I started doing my podcast, it took me like a while to figure out how to do it because there weren't things like Anchor <laughs> like that didn't exist. No matter what it is, you can self-publish a book. You don't need to wait for a publisher to tell you that you can publish a book. You can do your podcast. You can do your vlog. You could do your TikTok on your phone. Like so it's just obviously like whatever. Like, And if anyone's listening to this that has something that's like, well, yeah, content's easy. We know we can make it. If anyone has something that is listening to this and was like, yeah, but my thing's different, you can text me or email me and I guarantee you, I will give you the <laughs> tools you need to be able to get started tonight and have whatever the thing is. Yeah, like you can't, maybe if you want to be a sculptor, like you might not be able to make a marble sculpture tonight, but you can make a little wax sculpture you can go to Hobby Lobby or Michael's or something and get a little wooden thing and for like $20 probably get a wood carving thing and you could make a little marble for somebody or something. It's like there's, that's it. Just go. Just go mindset. Idea, make it. And it's going to be terrible. And then seven years later, you're going to have something that looks like between dream sessions. Like, wow, that was what I saw in my brain when I was standing in that staircase. I didn't know how to set up a light. I didn't have one. That's great. So we all just have to start putting some pebbles in bags. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Do whatever you do. You, or take them out of the bags. Or don't use sandbags. What do I care? <laughs> so uh, where can people find you? Where can people find um, Just Go? They want to read your 150-page book. That's pretty wildly long, Chris. There's a lot of photos of travels and adventures that I did. So, yeah, that's on Amazon. You can search Just Go uh, and my name, Chris Ruggiero, on Amazon and for that book. And you can find Between Dream Sessions at betweendreamsessions.com. That's a music series of acoustic artists. And on uh, Instagram, One Man Variety. Sweet. Thanks, Chris. That's it.